0: Want to cut cooling bills without cutting comfort? lower utility costs and enjoy cool and consistent comfort with a highly efficient air conditioner from Luxair with Luxair's consumer rebate program educators, nurses, first responders, military personnel, and veterans can enjoy exclusive rebates on qualifying purchases of Luxair equipment. To learn more call G team mechanical at 765-376-3042 or visit gteamhvac.com. They'll recommend a system tailored to your home that provides comfort, energy savings, and lasting performance. (laughs)
1: This is Trackside with Kirk Cavan and Kevin Lee.
0: Let's get things rolling here
1: in St. Pete. Look There's a the big crash. Joseph, you got on oh. the high side. What a move from Pato Award. Nice save from Golden Herta. Marcus, you just won Indy
0: 500. You are Indy 500 champion. History made, win number 52, Dixon has done it in Toronto. Awesome weekend, let's go.
1: Alexander Rossi ends a three-year drought.
0: He now has sole possession of second on the all-time wins list.
1: Welcome to the big time, David Malukas. Just two races to go. This is the Grand Prix of Portland. Let's go here at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. Let's finish this championship off. Nice job, Scott McLaughlin. You're a freaking legend. Now it's done. Let's go. Good team. Where to go, boys? Where to go? Redemption, boys. Redemption. There it is, baby. Checker flag. Nice job.
0: Hello, happy new year. Welcome. It's trackside 935 1075, the fan in Indianapolis. Some highlights, just some mood sound to get you ready from 2022 as we move into 2023. Thanks for joining us on the program tonight to kick off a new year. Josh molenix is in our Indianapolis studios downtown. I'm Kevin Lee. Kurt Cavan is along with us. Connor Daly is coming up on the show. Later tonight, a lot of good things to get into Connor, uh, get into uh, with with Connor coming up on the show and some news and nuggets on the way. Your tweets are welcome for later on at Kevin Lee 23 at Kurt Cavan. Kurt, the window is open. It's January 3rd. The window of the office is open this afternoon as I was doing some work. There were kids on their bicycles out front. Now, granted, here in Avon, they were also dodging the piles of trash. That's another issue because uh trash is not being collected in three weeks in certain neighborhoods in Avon. So that's another story. If you got anybody who can help, come pick up the trash. That'd be fantastic for me and my neighbors. But anyway, what a beautiful day. 63 degrees. And the sun even peaked out for a little while around 3.30 or 4 o'clock.
1: Well, let's, you know, from my standpoint, let's not get carried away. It's still, uh, looming out there, this, this, uh, January weather. It, the sun didn't shine a great deal where I was at today because I work in, uh, in a lower level of, uh, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway administration building. Uh, so it wasn't all, uh, perfect, but it certainly was, uh, better than what we had come to expect on January days in Indianapolis and oh come on i I think the biggest thing yeah i know 60 60 degrees at least
0: i I went outside for a run a couple of days ago it's been fantastic
1: well i'm not it's nice to see you got out of the out of the house for once uh that's that's i didn't get in the car and
0: drive anywhere i'm just saying i went for a run
1: no i i still
0: don't really leave the grid
1: (laughs) okay that's that's fair but i think the biggest thing for me is you know there's that period especially as we get a close to Thanksgiving. And then as we move into the Christmas holidays and, you know, the new Year's celebration, you're still sort of tugged at the past. You're still from an IndyCar perspective. You're still tugged toward, you know, recapping what happened in 2022. What were the storylines? You can't quite shake that 22 bug. You're still, nope. you're still caught ahead. there. We're moving but as soon as as soon as that calendar turns, you can officially get full steam ahead for a 2023 season or the season at hand. And I spent a little time today, I thought it was important to, to just kind of reset myself. I made a list of and you can find that list on indycar.com tonight. But just make a list of, okay, what do we know? What are the storylines? What are the seats assigned to, to drivers? 27 car and driver combinations we expect for the first race of the season, which is two months and two days away uh, for Green Flag at St. Petersburg. So it really felt good for me to kind of officially kind of flip that calendar, get my mindset on 2023, and we will have cars on track in a month at the Thermo Club in Southern California And then we'll go racing, as I said, in two months and two days. So it really does feel like we have uh, turned our attention toward the next season.
0: We are just about there. Yeah, it's under a month. What, February 2nd and 3rd are the two days? And and then content days uh, will start, well, that's the end of this month. That's right. At the end of this month, January 31st and February 1st is when everyone will gather from the IndyCar world in Palm Springs for, you know, some of the little sound bites that you see all year and the funny memes and gifs and, and things like that. And then cars on track uh, at the end of that week. I saw, for example, HMD tweeted that it's 20 days until their first Firestone test. Remember Indy Lights as it was. Now Indy Next is changing from Cooper tires to Firestones. And in this current world, there are always production delays. And plus, this is a change that well, i think that became official last summer late last summer something like that so it's not the exact same tire obviously that indycar is using i wouldn't think uh so there were some changes there but they're going to have those tires in their hand in three weeks so we'll see some of those cars on track we'll see a little testing here and there there's not much testing available but i mentioned this a a few weeks ago before the holiday racer.com reported that Uh, ganassi is already kind of looking to 2024 they're going to have i I think this is what this would be at least one of the potential candidates for alex seat. i know alex isn't allowed to, to talk to anyone until september but everyone feels pretty certain he's headed to errol mclaren and robert schwartzman is going to be on track and i think that might be tomorrow at sebring for them And some might ask, and by the way, Robert Schwartzman is a Ferrari Formula One test driver. He is the uh, 2019 Formula Three champion. He was the runner-up in 2021. We've seen him in some Formula One free practice ones. He's well-regarded. Some might say, well, wait a minute, Ganassi still has an opening for the ovals for the number 11 car with Marcus Armstrong. And I suppose that's a possibility, but my guess would be this is more of an evaluation test. Looking towards 2024. I've not heard that it's, I haven't heard definitively that it's Takuma Sato, but I've also not heard that it's not. And I'd be really surprised if if they didn't go Sato's path, I would think it's a Ryan Hunter Ray or something like that. So I doubt that's what it's for. I, I suspect it's for 24. And I also think it's an opportunity for Ganassi with so little testing available. This is a quality driver and it's an extra day on track to get. Some intel you can you have you have more rookie days available than veteran days. Yes,
1: yes, and I think that's a smart move to do that as we move into January. You know, if you do that evaluation day earlier, you know you've you've kind of lost your momentum moving into the open test and then the race season that's ahead. So I think this is a smart move on their part, and I agree with you. It's uh, it feels like a polo audition, meaning an audition for. Uh, the seat that Alex will vacate at the end of 2023. I guess we can stop saying it like that. Well, you know, he'll vacate at the end of the year. Um, you didn't say you, you mentioned that he was a runner up in 2021. Robert Schwartzman was the F2 runner up. Uh, you just didn't say what series, but, okay. uh, in, you know, this is a guy, you know, a Russian raised in Russian, born in Israel and, An interesting, you know, candidate, I suppose, not one that a lot of us know much about, but I do know just doing a little research a couple of weeks ago when the information came up, you know, he's certainly, uh, you know, a a popular possibility for, uh, for an IndyCar seat. He's 23 years old. So he's got, he's got accomplishments. He's young. Uh, he's obviously thought of in the Ferrari camp. So, you know, this is more than just let's put somebody in the car to give them a shot to reward them for something or to to maybe learn something for 2023. This is a this is a dual uh, opportunity for Chip Ganassi Racing, which, by the way, doesn't doesn't throw away test days. I mean, it just doesn't throw them out you know for willy nilly purposes to to see who might be able to drive a race car they've obviously done their intel and think this is a a strong possibility for a job in our series so interesting stuff we'll we'll probably not learn a great deal from from the test at sebring but you know i think certainly the team will and they've done a lot of these over the years so they'll know what they're looking for and and i think you know robert would be I mean, certainly is is approaching this as an audition. So we'll see where it ends up. When we last spoke
0: on Tuesday, December 20th, I asked rhetorically that everyone hang on to their news until at least January 3rd. And for all intents and purposes, they did. I really thought we'd have some more things solidified. Now, there have been some smaller things that are out there that we will touch on. Uh, and I'm sure there are some other things that have been decided. I'm hearing rumblings of some significant engineering moves and things along those lines. But we've not had any other firm driver announcements for the Indy 500 or otherwise. So let's just kind of regroup and where we're at and what still remains, what still remains open from a full season perspective.
1: So, as I mentioned, we have 27 car and driver combinations that we expect to see for the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg on on Sunday, March the 5th. And it really comes down to about three seats as I look at it, two for the St. Petersburg race. And I'll get to that in a moment. But we don't know. I don't Well, let me backtrack. I'm not sure we officially know that Dale Coyne Racing is going to field David Malukas. I think we know that. Uh, I don't know that we've seen an announcement. Maybe we have. My my math is a little fuzzy on whether or not that has I been think announced. We
0: determined that there doesn't need to be an announcement because I think it was originally announced as a multi-year deal.
1: So the point is we <laughs> you know we had some we had some concerns uh about that seat or at least some some questions about that seat but we're we're going to concede that one what yes. we don't know is the seat that that uh Takuma Sato has held the last uh season and that is uh the second car if you will at, at Dale Coin Racing so there's that seat and we expect to know something on a full-time seat that we expect to see at Hunkos Hollinger racing alongside Calamilot. We've seen, you know, some some uh, you know somebody in a car on a on a demonstration in Argentina, but that doesn't equate to uh connecting the dots for a full-time seat for the upcoming season. And then the part-time seat that we're looking for, we've talked about here in this show already, would be the oval uh package for what we will call the Jimmy Johnson seat of 2022. Marcus Armstrong is going to be a rookie in that seat in the road and street circuits, but he's not going to drive the Oval. So, you know, that's the half a seat that we still don't know. So uh, Dale Coin Racing and Hunkos Hollinger are the full-time seats still to be announced.
0: So I think there are potentially four, maybe five jobs available. Uh, it's somewhat, well, actually even more than that because I think it's possible that the Hunkos-Hollinger seat might be split up. It's very possible that the second Dale Coyne seat was going to be split up. You know, I think at one point, Dale was a source for this. He expected Takuma Sato to return, probably only for the ovals, and someone else would do the road and street courses. Now Sato is being linked to uh, uh, the Ganassi number 11 seat, along with some other possibilities. And then I'll throw out one other opportunity for a driver that has some budget would be sharing ed carpenter's seat that simona di silvestro and pareta autosport have been linked with that in a part-time program it does seem that there are no seats available for ed carpenter racing for the indy 500 for reasons we have discussed they don't want to distract from their other purpose they've got three cars it's hard to find uh quality people so on and so forth but They have said, Tim Broyles, the GM, has said on the record, we are open to doing a part-time program for other races. We've not heard anything else from the Pareta camp. So that's obviously the first thing they're looking at. But if that does not come to fruition, logic would say that seat could be open for someone else because they are a two-car team full-time. They're running Ed on the ovals. They've got some people I would think under the right circumstances, right driver, right sponsorship, they would be open to running someone in extra races beyond that if it doesn't come together for Simona. So that's why I say there are potential five out there for the 11. You know, I I think it's probably Sato. That's what everyone was saying. And we were hearing a month ago, but it, yeah, maybe, maybe a little less than a month ago. I can't remember when I first got wind of that. And I remember David Malsher Lopez was the first one that put something in print at motorsport. And I remember saying, yeah, that makes sense. We should have thought of that one earlier. So maybe it's just uh dotting I's and crossing T's, but until it's announced, then what other possibilities are there? I mentioned the J.R. Hildebrand a couple of weeks ago. JR normally has budget. I would think there are a few teams That would have some interest in Jr. Why I don't think it's super likely is I don't know if he has enough budget to do races beyond the Indy 500. So I still think it's Sato. And that's why I probably give him a stronger chance than Hunter Ray, because he is likely more likely to be linked to a significant budget than Ryan Hunter Ray. You know, when you're talking Indy 500 only, I could think of a Charlie Kimball. But I don't know that Charlie would have the budget to do all the races. He might. But those are some of the names out there. And, you know, of course, Juan Pablo Montoya has been pretty good at that race before if you're looking in the 500 only. So those are some of the thoughts I have for the number 11.
1: So the only concern that I have relative to Takuma Sato is that if you recall, and I'm trying to think through the timeline on this, if you recall, uh, I took a vacation on December 1st and uh, therefore was at the airport and had a conversation with somebody who would know what Takuma's situation is. And the sense was that it was kind of an any day type of timeline for an announcement of his plans for 2023. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was December 1st. Now we're into January 3rd. Granted a lot of things shut down as the holidays took full force, but there's some concern that, that, you know, the any day type of response that I, I received that day at the airport uh, has kind of come and gone. And clearly all that was, there was, there was at least two weeks there before the holidays shut down things that, that a deal could have been done and announced. Now maybe it is done and just still hasn't been announced. But my point is there's been a lot of time and a lot of water under the bridge since December 1st. And we still don't have an announcement relative to Kuma. I think he'll have a seat. I think he'll be in the Indy 500. I think he'll be in a good seat for the Indianapolis 500, but um you know, could, cal- could there be
0: a bidding war on his services? Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan wants to run another Indy 500 car and when you start talking about the candidates out there, you know it's the same group of people and maybe you can add Jimmy Johnson in this. I don't know if Jimmy's totally done with this if he's moved on it's just decided you know what I'm I'm a co-owner of a Chevy program. Uh, the best options out there are all Honda. I don't want to go down that path. Um, but maybe he's an op- option for someone like Ray Hall, and Lanigan. But I'd have to think that he would be along with Hunter Ray and the other people we've talked about on their radar too. So maybe that's why it didn't get done because someone else called and said, "Hey, would you consider us?" And now it's just who is requiring the least amount of budget and/or let's add in some salary for my driver and not make all the
1: salary come from the sponsors that he brings. So when I said that, you know, I was starting to have doubts, it wasn't that Takuma wouldn't have a seat and wouldn't have yeah. a good seat. It just might yeah. not be Ganassi. Although I think if I'm Takuma, that's that's the best spot. Yes, I won the Indy 500 with the Ray Hall organization. But if you look at last year's results, you either want to be with Chip Ganassi Racing or Aero McLaren. Obviously, Aero McLaren's going to run a fourth car with with Tony Kanaan and and won't run a fifth. Uh, But, you know, it's pretty clear that Chip Ganassi Racing is the best option for a driver of Takuma's value. And you're right. It's not a matter of, you know, bidding in terms of of how much we're going to pay you. It's probably more a case of how little do you have to bring to the program, which could be influential. Uh, I expect Takuma's got some budget. Uh, It's probably. Uh, obviously, not what what it once was, or enough for maybe a full time seat. But he'll have a he'll have a budget good enough to attract and his talent and his success at the 500 will ha- will will lead him to a good seat in May.
0: And maybe he wants to do more than just oval races, which could bring Dale Coin Racing back into play because that's the one that can offer him more. You know, for example, Rahal can only offer the Indy 500. Ganassi could offer all of the ovals. Uh, and then coin could offer the whole season, could offer the whole season. You know, there needs to be budget for that, but maybe there's been an opportunity there, or it could be, you know, I want to do Long Beach or there, there are a couple of others I want to do. I want to do the road course at Indianapolis to make it an entire month of May. So, uh, that's one to keep an eye on. And that, that's fascinating. And then the other seats available, as we've talked about, are the Hunkos Hollinger seat. Along with Callum Ilot and then the uh, the other coin. So here are names. And I think they're all kind of interchangeable uh, as to who is going to end up where. And in no particular order. Stingray Rob has said that he has some budget and you know, at one point, I'm not sure that it looked super promising. The longer it goes, the more promising I think it's looking for Stingray Rob, not only with those seats, but go back to the Ed Carpenter racing for a few races type of situation if if it doesn't come together for Simona Di Silvestro. Felipe Drugovic has been mentioned. Um, he is the F2 champion and is going to be, I think he is set to be a test or reserve driver in Formula One next year. But he's already been blessed with, hey, you, you probably should go on and do some other things. So I think there's the opportunity for him. What his budget level is, I'm sure there's some. I don't know how much. Yuri Vips. Oh, and by the way, when I looked up Felipe Drugovich, he drove in the road to Indy. He filled in for a driver uh, at Mid-Ohio in Pro Mazda in 2018. So he has raced in America, and he has been at an Indy car. Weekend before, and that's kind of the extent of my knowledge on Felipe at this point. Other than he is from Brazil, Yuri Vips is also someone, and he he's been an entity car. He was one of them at the test at Sebring with Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan back in either October or November. He has three F two wins in the last couple of years. He was a teammate with Marcus Armstrong, and and he's someone that I see come up as a possibility uh augustine canapino is the the young man that tested with juncos hollinger and their exhibitions in argentina i mentioned to you a few weeks ago that i kind of not knowing a whole lot i don't think this is super likely i i think that he made the most sense for that exhibition because he is well known in argentina he's a i think a rally driver and has some name recognition there we saw him in the Rolex 24 when Juncos had a program a couple of years ago. He's not exactly, you know, he's he's thirty he's gonna be thirty-two years old soon. So unless he has come up all of a sudden with extra budget, I'd be surprised if this is the guy. And I think that seat requires budget, but he's been in a car, so we throw him out there. I'm still hoping Linus Lundquist is able to put something together. Uh, but he's going to need to find more budget. But if we're, we're pairing things together, I would imagine that he's still a possibility. Would Dalton Kellett have some interest? You know, the family could still, through K-Line, put him in a car for some races. So I wouldn't totally count out Dalton until he definitively says, I am not going to race in 2023. I suspect he's decided to do some other things, but I don't know that. I've not talked to Dalton. He's been kind of busy. Congratulations. He just got married. uh New Year's Eve, something like that within the last week or so. You know, I've seen Ed Jones' name thrown out there. I know he's going to be doing some sports car racing. I had heard last fall that he had budget and wanted to come back to IndyCar. So maybe he is a possibility. I've heard about Pietro Fittipaldi. I would imagine he's kind of seeing a lot of roadblocks in Formula One. He's done some free practice ones. He's done a couple of races filling in. I don't know where his budget stands, but he's out a connection to Dale Coin, so I kind of keep him on the radar. I'm hoping Oliver Askew can find something to resurrect. It's going to, I'm sure, take budget to get Oliver back involved, but I think people still think very, very highly of him. And then R.C. Enerson, I know, is still working to try to find some things. They have a little bit of budget, and that's what I got. And there are still likely two or three other F2, F3 drivers that are on Dale Coin and somebody else's radar.
1: I agree. And obviously when you talk about the 500, you're talking about somebody like a Hunter Ray or Montoya. And you've mentioned those, um, you know, Sato. So we got some other guys that, that we want to keep an eye on. Zach Veach. Uh, I, I, yeah, I just, I just would...
0: saw Zach tweet that he was coming to Indy for two weeks. So I don't imagine he's coming here for vacation. I'm, I'm going to bet he's throwing some meetings in around trying to put a program together for May. Yeah. Uh, I remember I... Dry and Reinbold has their second seat still open.
1: Yep, Darren Reinbold to pair alongside uh, Stefan Wilson would be a good landing spot for uh for Zach or or some of the other names we've mentioned. So, uh Sage Karam would be another one you just want to at least keep your antenna up to see, but I don't hear any momentum for that.
0: Let me throw out another name and I feel okay throwing this out there because I have not spoken to him since Petite Lamont other than we traded a couple of texts about different things somebody might make James Hinchcliffe an offer, right? Uh, and and I would think a commercial package could be put together for James. I do not know what his contract says. If he is allowed to do this with NBC, NBC might say, you know what? There's some value. We could go with a two-man booth and talk to Hinch during caution laps and and have access to him throughout the month of May. I don't know that I rate that super high because as we have chatted last year he seemed pretty content with the career that he had had wasn't closing any doors I know he was interested in doing some sports car racing and is still looking into that in tandem with his IndyCar broadcasting Uh, but I got the impression that he's not overly pursuing an Indy 500 opportunity but I know these guys and if a good one became available to him I would think he would at least consider it. So So that's why I just want to put that out there. And I feel like I can say it because he is not a source on this. In fact, I do not have a source.
1: Well, I did an event with him at the Speedway on, I looked at my photo archive on my phone. I did an event with him November 12th at the Speedway. And that question was direct to him, both by the group. It was the safety patrol at the Speedway and by Mm -hmm. myself uh, off, off the stage, and in both instances, the answer it very, very much the same. I've had my career as a driver. He, okay. he was, he was. Uh, let's put it this way: he was, I again, never closed the door. And yeah. you're right that if somebody came along with a good offer, but he he seemed pretty content. I think you, is the word you used, content with his career.
0: I think that's right, uh, and, and I'll go back to using Townsend as an example. You know, Townsend has been quote, retired for seven years. And if you ask him today, he would still say, you know what? If it was the perfect circumstance, I would think about it. And that perfect circumstance would normally involve if a full-time seat on a good team became available, knowing I have a full-time pit crew, full-time program, and for whatever reason, a driver is not available, I'd think about it. Now, I think he probably would also say, I'm past that point now. But I know that was a, a real thought for the first couple of years. What made it easier, I hate to speak for him, but I think he said this publicly before, what had made it easier to step away is he got to the point, point. and I think Kinch just talked about this too, it is so hard to win the Indy 500 on a true one-off situation. Now, we sort of saw Dan Weldon do it, so it it can happen. And Elio's was sort of a one-off, but it was part of a bigger program, and and those employees were already in place. So I wouldn't call that a full one-off, even though that was his first race of the year. So that's kind of the circumstance that everybody is looking for, that if you plug me into one of those good teams, and I was simply filling in plug-and-play then I might have the talk with everyone around me and think about it. And the one that does apply to that would be the Ganassi seat. Now we, we assume Ganassi is going to want that driver to do the other races and that, you know, kind of crosses some people off. So I just kind of throw this out there because I, I don't expect it to happen, but everyone reserves the right to listen and then say no again.
1: Well, to your point about good seats, I mean, that's why we think Canon at Arrow McLaren SP, even though that's a one-off situation, that's a legitimate indie winner in possibility. Uh, the same thing is true of, of Marco at, at Andretti. The same thing is true for this Canassi seat. So if one of those kind of seats is available, even, I mean, there's actually other teams, uh, that we would include in that if, if Carpenter was going to field one and had the staffing to do it. You know, Hinch is closer to his driving days than Townsend is. So you give him a little bit of couple years to kinda possibility. But yeah. but the but I don't think so. I, I think I think Hinch feels like um one of those opportunities isn't going to come along, so I'll focus on what's next and, and hey, what's next might might be some sports car deals. So I, I think uh,
0: that's right. I just want to throw his name out there because it yep. would make me look really dumb. If if he announces something in two months and the guy sitting next to him all year doesn't have anything on that. But, you know, truthfully, I don't because I've not talked to him about it for a while. And in some ways, like I've said before, I don't even like to ask because, yeah. well, then I can't speculate because I, I would know the answer. And he might suddenly no, no, I'm not interested in anything. Or, yeah, you can't say anything. And I've not had either one of those conversations. So I can say something because I don't know anything. So yeah. there you go.
1: There you go. Sometimes I just it's, asked. It's, I just ask him in public. So
0: Well, if- I, I think I think he's a pretty honest guy too. So I take a lot of stock in that. And I think if he really was open to it, he would probably say eh, in the right circumstance I would. So that tends to even more solidify it's not very likely, but you just never know. And everyone even if you think this is what you're planning, how many people have retired and changed their mind? Yep you res- you deserve the opportunity to change your mind if you want to. All right, we're going to get into um hey, let's kind of get a refresher a little bit and w- what's new in 2023 and there's some other news and notes and nuggets coming up. Connor Daly on the show in about a half hour. A lot of things to talk about there. It's Trackside 935 1075 the Fan.
2: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Thanks for staying with us on the program tonight.
0: As mentioned, Connor Daly is coming up a little later on. A lot of things we can talk to Connor about. One is going to be, we're going to, uh, because I think he's, much, a much better person to talk about the significance of Ken Block, who unfortunately uh, lost his life in a snowmobiling accident yesterday. Uh, for, for those that know who Ken is, was just a giant in the industry. Some others would probably say, hey, I kind of know the name and I've heard about him. But, Kurt, I don't think you or I can do him justice for what he meant in in the world of uh, not just, it's hard to explain. It's not a, he wasn't just a rally driver. He wasn't a stunt driver. He wasn't a YouTube star. He was kind of everything. And it all had to do with cars.
1: Well, it did. He, he, and what he really was first known for was co-founding DC shoes, which in the fashion industry is a, is a huge deal. And he cashed out of that. And, and then, you know, as I know it, he was never really interested in cars per se, he was interested in driving cars to their limit and that's what really was attractive, you know, in his videos. And it, it was attractive to people, especially younger people. I think, uh, Connor, you know, he mentioned the fact that he bought a Subaru, he mentioned this on social media. So I'm eager to, to hear him talk about it, but he bought his first car, a Subaru, because, yeah, because that's what, uh, Ken Block was, was really known for and in his videos, just, Driving the wheels off those cars. And, uh, you know, we've all watched this drifting and, and, um, so just his, his videos were spectacular. Uh, I don't know. I never met Ken and I don't think he ever had an Indianapolis connection in terms of the speedway. I wondered if he ever did a stunt of any kind, but, uh, you know, from a, from a rally standpoint, from a skateboard standpoint, from a, from a stunt you know, stuntman standpoint, not much bigger than Ken Block.
0: Yep. Certainly very, very sad news last night when we first got the word of that. So that'll be just one of the items we'll talk with with Connor about. But a lot of things we'll get into. And another item I think we'll touch on is we'll kind of share notes. We we talked last year about the, the new documentary series that that's going to focus on the Indy 500 and IndyCar, Car, 100 Days to Indy from the uh cw network and vice so obviously i would think connor is going to be involved to some extent or at least drivers will be involved i have my first contact kurt with a showrunner do you know what a showrunner is
1: well i do know because um my son is in the film business uh in la so yeah i have a sense for uh, a showrunner but you better let us know how this person reached out to you. So I, I've seen
0: that term before and what I I've not really looked it up, but is showrunner kind of the modern term for producer?
1: Yeah, that that's, that's close. Yeah.
0: You know, cause you see, you know, he's the showrunner for the Sopranos, the showrunner for breaking bad or something like that. So that was interesting to get an email from someone saying, I am the showrunner for 100 days to to indie so it makes sense that it's probably a term more of this is the guy that puts out fires and does a lot of the things that producers do and then maybe we call the person who is actually sitting all the time in the edit room maybe that's the producer who knows there are lots of different titles involved and if you ever watch the credits to any type of movie or big production you see it takes a lot of people to get those things done um, so I had a call today with, uh, the showrunner and another producer in the program. And as you, I, I hope this isn't death to this program, but, you know, they're looking for journalist types to help tell the story. And, you know, as you see, will Buxton sit down and drive to survive, I'm going to have to work on an accent to try to present myself in a different way. And honestly, I'm also worried about, am I going to say something that gets me in trouble? or burns bridges, you know, cause, cause, frankly, and you know, this as a former beat writer, um, yes, we're honest, but you know, I'm not in the position of commentary, especially on my TV job. I ask the questions. I tell the stories. I let other people tell the story. I don't have to do opinions and it is in my best interest to get along with everyone because I need their cooperation. So, you know, nothing's solidified and I'm, I'm going to guess there's a good chance that's somewhere between 97 and and 100% of what I say on tape never makes the show, but I am going to sit down starting maybe as soon as next week and start doing some things for this program. But I'm hoping I don't say anything that, uh, that I have to answer for. I well, want to help make the show as good as it can be, but I don't want to make my job any harder.
1: And the that problem is me- you might have something really interesting in a five-second segment That doesn't uh, have context uh, to go with it.
0: And you know what? I should have asked that today, uh, but I didn't want to do that. But, you know, one of the thoughts that I had and I thought about asking was, so are you going to take snippets from something said about one thing and apply it to something totally different? Yes, I didn't ask that, but I I might ask that as we sit down again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I think I've always just been cognizant of, of anything I say in whatever sentence it comes out, maybe used differently. You know, it happened. Uh, a good example, everyone in this audience probably listened to the, uh, to the club, uh, the gathering of the four, four time Indianapolis 500 winners. I was on camera for about 45 minutes. Uh, to talk about variety of topics and and drivers and races and and storylines, and in the program I'm on 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 camera for about eight seconds. So out of forty five <laughs> minutes, how it works. yeah, that's kind of how it works.
0: Well, I I think I'm going to be sitting down for a little bit longer than that. Um, so we'll see. But you know, my approach to this was I want to help. You know, they're not paying the drivers, so I I get it. So this is this is for the greater good and I will do whatever I can to help because I do think this is a a really promising platform to reach a different audience and let's all do what we can to make the best of it. You know, we're all invested in this.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I say
0: I say we as fans and certainly you and I as people who make our living off of IndyCar racing and in the Indianapolis 500, so it's in everyone's best interest to do it well. You know, NBC, I don't think it's going to have an issue appearing on another network because, hey, if there's more eyeballs paying attention to IndyCar, where are they going to watch to go watch those races? They're going to watch yeah, NBC. Right. So somebody's checking Somebody's checking on that for me. Uh, I, had, I had someone on the call with me to, to, to make sure that uh, those things were crossed. But that'll be interesting. So maybe I'll be able to share some insight on that. I invited... The producers they said you've got an open forum anytime you want to come on our show and tell us throughout the process what what's going on and they may not they may just say no we want to you know let the product speak for itself and we'll do some promotion you know the week that it's coming out but uh we'll see what comes from that i'm curious what connor has heard about this because i know the drivers had their annual meeting where they go over a lot of different things potential rule changes marketing efforts things like that and i believe that they were told and i think then we were told what the next day in december that this was definitely happening.
1: Yeah, i think they've gotten a heads up and and uh yeah, i'm interested to hear myself what connor knows and connor's pretty invested in, you know, the marketing side of this product. Uh there's a handful of drivers who are more in tune than others and connor's certainly one of them. He has a strong opinion, you know, partially because he's got He's got a dad who uh in in Derek who who really understood the backside of this business and then his stepfather of course, is Doug Bowles who is actively involved. So Connor kind of gets it from a couple different sources.
0: He's got a really informed opinion. I think everyone has opinions yep um of those invested and some are a little more informed and more realistic than some others. I would put Connor in that camp. Uh, along with several others that kind of understands, all right, it takes a little more than just saying, let's do this. You know, how are we going to make this happen? And what's it going to cost and, and all of that. So that'll be a good conversation coming up uh, after the top of the hour. So I said, we're starting a new year. Let's kind of refresh our memories. You jotted some things down. Let's kind of do our little little primer for so, my, what to watch for that we have. And then we'll get into some deeper dives on some teams and drivers, I think, in the coming weeks before the season starts?
1: Well, remember, we got a 17-race schedule that starts March 5th, and that's the first of seven races on NBC to start the season, running through the Indy 500, 13 races in all on NBC. That's kind of one of the the real highlights. Uh, Three of those other races will be on USA Network, and the Toronto race will be exclusively on Peacock, and you can watch all the qualifying and practice sessions on Peacock. You know, as I mentioned in the first segment, 27 car and driver combinations uh, for full-time participation. That's what we expect. There really are kind of four uh, confirmed Indy 500 entries that are, you know, veterans that we want to keep an eye on. Tony Cannon at Arrow McLaren, Ed Carpenter at Ed Carpenter Racing, Marco Andretti at Andretti Autosport, and Stefan Wilson at Dreyer and Reinbold. This is a small rookie class. You know, we had the rookie class was was very interesting last year. This may be kind of a runaway because Benjamin Peterson at A.J. Foyt Racing, the only driver who's full-time, Marcus Armstrong, will be a part-time mm-hmm. participant. Uh, Two drivers, three drivers really on the move, I guess you could say, that are veterans. Rossi goes to Errol McLaren. Kyle Kirkwood goes to Andretti Autosports. Santino Ferrucci uh to A.J. Foyt Racing. Three open tests this year. The first one at the Thermal Club in Southern California on February 2nd and 3rd. They'll have another one at the Indy 500 April 20th and 21st. And then leading into the season finale on a Thursday, they'll be at Laguna Seca for an open test. We talked about that. Yeah, that's new. The 100 Days to Indy show, that's important. A new circuit at Detroit. Uh Repaved circuits at Laguna Seca and Road America. The Iowa doubleheader comes back. And, you know, it'll really be a sprint to the finish, eight races in the final nine weeks of the season. So we're going to be busy when it's uh when oh, wow. it's time to earn a championship.
0: And the only weekend off, would that be the Brickyard? No, no, it, because took racing
1: with the Brickyard 400. So there's two weekends because there's a doubleheader at Iowa, but there's still eight oh, okay, races okay. in nine weeks. OK, so there, there's a quick little primer. I know we want to uh, wrap up this hour, but uh it's going to be a busy season.
0: All right, we'll get into some other things. We'll talk about what's still to come in our number two. And there are several little nuggets that, that we need to still get into, and we'll do shortly. Trackside, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan.
2: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
0: Quick segment here. Shocker. I know. We are a little bit behind schedule. We ran long in the first couple of segments. I will uh, address one tweet. Jason Branch at CartJake88 tweeted, uh, retweeted Errol McLaren's new profile pic that they sent out late this afternoon. New name, new update. Jason's question was, McLaren just tweeted this, so where did the SP part go? So you missed one of our shows at the end of the year. I, don't, I think it kind of got pushed to the end of the show because we... Got a little behind then as well. But no, that was announced in December that the SP portion went away. So you could Google that and find that. Uh, Sam Schmidt and Rick Peterson still maintain the same level of ownership with uh, the team last year. But it's now simply known as Errol McLaren rather than Errol McLaren SP. So team is the same. Nothing has changed. As of the last few months, just a, a branding change for the program. All right, hour number two coming up, including a chat with Connor Daly. Next, Trackside 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
2: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
3: Hi, this is Connor Daly, and you're listening to Trackside.
0: Hour number two. Thanks for staying with us as we kick off 2023 on Trackside. 93.5, 107.5, the fan in Indianapolis, Kevin Lee, Kurt Cavan. And because we want all podcasts, live radio shows, whatever you call it, to succeed, we're going to bring in someone. Yes, he's done a few other things like, oh, finish on the podium in IndyCar races and lead laps in the last couple of Indy 500s. But now he's a media superstar with the Dale Earnhardt Jr. Enterprise Speed Street with Connor Daly and Joey Molinaro. Connor Daly joins us now. Happy New Year. How are you?
3: Thank you very much. It's a very very esteemed title. I appreciate it. Um <laughs> but yeah, everything's good. Excited to be looking forward. Um yeah, it's it's kind of it's just it's nice to realistically be about a month away from getting in the car again, which is kind of cool. Yeah.
0: Hey, speaking of, of your your podcast, did you know that Joey got I wouldn't say he got his start, but at one point he was a fill in producer on this show. Yes. Whatever, whatever is good. I'm sure he learned from us, (laughs) whatever is bad. He learned how to do it better.
3: There you go. Yeah, no, I mean, he, uh, I I was, I've known Joey for a long time, uh, ever since he was also kind of interning with the Pat McAfee show too. So like Mm -hmm. definitely known his Indiana roots and, and all that stuff. And it's been a great show and it's been, it's been really fun to, honestly get joey deeper into indycar and and his personality and what he's got and his following now is so large because of what he does on all across the social media platforms um it's just a great a great combination it was really cool that he you know he kind of i was looking to do a show for a long time and it was really cool that he kind of randomly texted me one day and was like hey have you ever thought about doing a podcast and i was like this would be the perfect opportunity to do it so i'm really glad that we've kind of Got this up and running. And, um, and I was just texting our, our, our IndyCar friend, Alex Pillow, about hopefully being on our show. <laughs> nice.
0: I encourage people to check out the, uh, the Jim Irsay content right now and the Colts coaching surfs. He's got that nailed like oh, yeah. Nick Saban. So that is well worth a, a look uh, on the social medias for what Joey is
3: doing. Yeah, absolutely. The guy's hilarious. So I, I, I encourage you to follow him. If you don't, and he loves IndyCar, loves supporting our sport. What have you learned
1: about being, you know, having to speak? I know you're, you're obviously very well schooled in voicing your opinion and, and, you know, having some comedy of your own, but what have you learned about trying to do a regular show and, and try to give insight to people?
3: Well, I mean, it's a big commitment, right? But realistically, you can find an hour in a week, right? Like our jobs aren't necessarily normal jobs. And even during this season, it, it you know, the season was busy. I mean, I, 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 I had 125 flights last year. So there was a lot of travel, Um, but we always found time to do it. And thankfully with the technology that we've got now with zoom and all that stuff, I mean, that's what we're working with. So it's, it's been cool to do. It's been cool to see people at every race weekend last year, come up and say that they listen to the podcast, even people at the formula one race. When I went down to the, you know, USGP at Coda, you know, there were listeners there uh, listeners at the NASCAR race that I did as well. I mean, there there's, there's people that listen to it and we really appreciate that. Um, And it's just fun to be able to talk about what we love to do. And, and honestly, you know, we need, we need every driver's, help and every team's help to get this sport you know to the next level that we want that we want it to be at Um, certainly where we see other forms of motor racing at um, and so why not spend some time to help us so so that's what that's what I've been trying to do and and even interview other folks that might that we might not know love racing like from different industries you know stuff like that I, I think that all helps.
0: You know, I wasn't going to bring this up until later on, but, but listening to your show from a, a few weeks ago, you were talking about a topic that I've brought up before. And it, the story was essentially you were in a bar and, and heard a young guy with a Purdue sweatshirt talking about motorsport and he knew nothing. And this is in Indianapolis. Yeah. Nothing about the Indy 500 was all about Formula One, didn't really seem to care who you were an Indy 500 driver when. The guy sitting with you explained, and and that's, that's one of the things that I've brought up before, because I know, especially with the fan base that isn't from Indianapolis, they kind of feel like you guys already have Indy, you're too Indy-centric, the 465 Mafia, you need to branch out, and yes, there's something to that, yes, we need to focus on what works best nationwide, but it's not like we have indie locked down and that might be the low hanging fruit. And there's no reason why we shouldn't have eight to 10 ratings in Indianapolis instead of, and I may be off on this, but it's probably something like 3.5 or five, something like that. There's no reason that we shouldn't dominate this market and grow from within so, and that's frankly one of the reasons I still like doing the show is I think it gets us out to the Indianapolis market. So I know you, you kind of feel the same way. We've got work to do here locally as well as nationally.
3: Well, I think I think we as a as a state and a city as well, can you know, we we have something to be really proud of in the Indy 500. And I think everyone is very, very proud of that. But why not be proud of Indy car? Right. Like that all mm-hmm. the races, Um, you know, we have so many events that are great to watch. We have so many people that go to the Indy 500 that might not watch another race. Um, but we want to extend that. We want people to be, you know, talking about how cool it is and, and how exciting it is. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think there's, there's a lot of, I mean, it's, it's, there's so many humans out there that like, if you get an extra hundred thousand people, that's actually not a ton of people. But when, when you, when you look at it, in ratings form, it's a huge help. If we get a hundred thousand people, a hundred thousand people, more from Indiana, more from Kentucky, more from Ohio, you know, Mm -hmm. an area where I think, you know, we're, we're pretty, pretty strong or hopefully we can get stronger. I mean, that's a lot of people. And then suddenly those people tell their folks in LA that go to the long beach race. I don't know. There there's, there's ways to do it. It's just soaking people's minds with it, soaking people's eyes with it um and and is it hard? Yeah, it's obviously not easy um because every everyone's trying to buy everyone's attention, but I do believe that we have the product that can excite people.
1: So Connor Daly joins us and and last month you had a chance to be with the IndyCar staff, Jay Fry, Mark Miles and and others and hear about a lot of plans. You and I and Kevin are obviously very interested in this Uh, six part series that's going to be coming to CW and, and other platforms, uh, a hundred days to indie. Did you learn anything about, about how the shape and scope and, and, uh, and how that
3: will feature drivers and the, and the storylines involved in our sport? I mean honestly it was great to talk to the director there I thought it was very cool to have the the president of Next Star Media or whatever he was on on the Zoom as well and and hearing that he had also been to the Indy 500 the previous year that emotional connection I think is very very important that's very very strong um and it wasn't at all really what I expected and usually it's 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 hard to keep a secret in this sport really. And like, I had no idea. I, I like, complete surprise. The whole CW and vice thing um, was a, was a, was a very, very surprising moment, but also very exciting because I, I had been to the vice offices in Brooklyn before as part of an Indy 500 marketing tour, I think um, in like 2017 or 18 or something like that. Um, and it was really cool. A, a lot of creativity there. Uh, a lot of great things going on there uh, and they have a large reach, which is, which is great. And there's, you know, the, when they displayed who they could get it to, that's awesome. I think just the next step though, is like, how do you make sure that those people see it? Right? Like it, it's great that it can get to those people, but how do we force it to those people? You know what I mean? How do we put it on the front page of everything that we have access to? How do we market it correctly? How do we get people excited about it? Um And the meeting was great. It was awesome. I think, because of all the excitement about the show, I think we missed a lot of other points that I think we were, as drivers, hoping to get to. But there's only so much you can cover in the morning. So I think it was really cool to learn about the show. I think we're going to lo- learn a lot more about it in this next month. Now that we're all kind of back in gear and focused on the season ahead, um, that's what I'm more excited about because I think – there was such a rush of people trying to talk to the director and say, Hey, this is what I think is good. You know, you had Graham Hall with ideas. You had me with ideas. You had, you know, that paddle wasn't even there. I know paddle has a lot of ideas. I know he <laughs> has a lot of things that he wants to speak about. Um, and, and, and everyone has, you know, things that they can contribute. And I'm very curious to see kind of the direction that they go with it. Do you, well, think I had a most- call with
0: a couple of producers today and I can tell you they're, they're getting started here within the next week. And yeah. they're they're yeah. going to start reaching out to people to start recording in, in Indianapolis. And, and I didn't and I, I'm not sure I would share this anyway. Uh, I didn't really get into what their plan is. And I think it's potentially still a little bit fluid uh, at this point. But from what I heard, I really liked it. And then it goes back to, you know, I think a lot of us don't understand what the CW is. And some of us don't even know what Vice is. But what I'm told is. No, this is a major, major player, and they have the connections. They have the the links to creativity to do this the right way.
3: Exactly, and, and I think that's what excited all of us, too. Normally, I, I will be honest, there's a lot of drivers who we are uh, inherently skeptical, right? Like, that's just kind of how we are, because it's like, oh, well, you know, uh, and everyone's very selfish. But I think I have never seen that many people in a room that were like, well, this is cool. Like, I think this is great. And then there were a couple of skeptical questions and then all those drivers were shut up and been like, oh, that was a great answer. You know what I mean? So I think there's a lot of positive stuff there. Um, and and I mean, we, we're all very excited about it, right? I think- there, there's a lot that we have been excited about as well in the past. But again, it, it, as long as this team and, and again, Bud Danker and the, and the Penske folks said that there was going to be a, a, a spend on marketing, right? Because that still is the, you know, if we have a great show and no one watches it, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So as long, and, and if we still have not enough people watch our races, it doesn't matter that we had a show. So as long as it's, it's displayed correctly, it's pushed to the right people and, and does make a difference, then we can all be happy about it. Right. And, and I think we've got a good director. I think we've got good people behind it. So all the pieces are in place. Right. You just got to execute and that's you know, drivers have to do the same thing. You know, if we have the right car, you know, we got to have the right pit stops that also help us win the race. Right. So it's a team effort here all across the board from the driver's side, from the marketing side, from the racing side, everything. So it's not easy, but I do think we have a lot of exciting pieces in, you know, in front of us that can help our sport in general. Uh, teams and drivers in this sport, typically
1: pretty buttoned up with information. Uh, Obviously, a good example of this 2022 season, the Alex Pillow situation, and yet we didn't really get a lot of juiciness out of that. Do you think the competitors and the teams will be willing to kind of drop the veil a little bit? And uh, I'm not saying share dirty laundry, but I think at least provide content that will be interesting to people.
3: Well I certainly hope so because I think we are in no position to be arrogant about the information that we hold um I know there's there's money that is exchanged there's money that is made in this series there's money that needs to be you know that needs to keep teams alive and 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 pay employees and 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 all all kinds of things everything has to do with money but like we're not in that position to be like well we can't show you this because of any reason. I'm sorry, but like the, the, if you look at drive to survive and, and, and that, that's the perfect example. Honestly, just copy it. Like just, I don't care what you do. Just copy 60% of it. Like look at that concept and see what it did for that and just take some advice. Like it, it would be, it would be silly to not see what has worked. You know what I mean? And it doesn't have to be the same show. Obviously a lot of core fans had a problem with it, but guess what? It made a ton of people in that sport a lot of money, and it also boosted the sport that we love and that the people that hated the show that also still love. Um, So we, we need that. Will it make everyone that supports IndyCar happy? Absolutely not. But if it gets an extra million people to watch our races, that means that the sport that you like grows and gets better and continues for many years. So I, I do hope the teams and drivers embrace it. I do hope that they give it the chance that it deserves because you have to. We're in an environment right now where like if we don't then you don't have jobs. So like you can't be like, well, you know, we don't want to show them our notebook, and and you don't have to show them the notebook. Just make something up; it doesn't matter. Just make up a story and tell them that it's really exciting and and deep inside the you know technical realm because it's a TV show, and you got to make it entertaining. And that's what I hope we can do with it.
0: Well, I don't think they are going to be interested in any setup notes or anything no, no, from a competition not. standpoint. Yeah, it's mostly going to be hey, you who's feel? mad at who? Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, exactly. Like, tell me how you feel. And like, I don't yeah. care. Like y- you could lie about, it. like I might say that Alexander Rossi is a big clumsy fool <laughs> and and like, I'm going to still have dinner with Alex Rossi that night. And we're going to say, Hey, that might've been funny. Or like, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't care how it is, but just, uh, just be honest with them. Say something. There's a lot of emotion in this, in this series express how dangerous it is that w- what we're doing i don't care if it scares people and, and families but it's exciting like what we're doing is exciting it's very dangerous and that should be expressed at the highest level because you have formula one drivers that are tweeting that they're scared to drive on ovals well blow that out of the water you know what i mean like it's it's something that's that's that i think we have that is very unique and it's it's I mean, I don't know. It, it seems like free content right there. It seems like exciting free stuff that's right there available to us.
0: Connor Daly is joining us, the driver of the Bit Nile Chevrolet for Ed Carpenter Racing. Uh, one more thing on marketing, because you brought it up on, on your podcast as well. And I think you're a good person to speak on this because you, uh, through your stepdad's job, have been around the sport for a long time, much longer than than you've been a driver. So I think we all kind of get this. And I also think we're close enough to it that we understand the other side. We all hear, well, you just have to market better. And then Uh my response is, okay, tell me how, because I've been hearing that for the last 25 years. I want specific ideas, not just spend money. I want to know how to spend the money, how to spend it wisely, how to make it useful, and that to create something in return. How do you kind of look at this? Because we all do agree. We'd love to see more marketing, but I will admit I don't have the answer as to how to spend that marketing dollar to give you a really, really good chance of success.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, it's a great question. I'm sure people will absolutely hate every time I talk about the marketing stuff because it's easy for me to say. It's easy for any critic or anyone to say, but like, It's also something that I am directly involved in and like it puts the food on my table if our series is more successful. So I obviously am going to talk about it and I would love to help any way that I can. Right. It's it's something that I think we all want to see because we love this sport. We love what it does for us. We love that it puts food on our tables and we love that it's exciting and it pulls at our emotional heartstrings when we see great things happen for our sport. Right. But, but do I have the answer? No. But I think there are a few easy ways to at least boost certain things, right? We have a large amount of content that we can put on the internet. And is that the exact ad program that might fix everything? No. But I know that there are a lot of social accounts and a lot of... Um, you know, followers that F1 NASCAR have that, that we don't have yet. So, so they're out there to get, but we don't have them yet. And I think we have a lot of exciting content that we have available to us and whether that's helped with, you know, I, I love that the IndyCar on NBC account, I think does a great job of putting, putting out great stuff for us as well. And IndyCar is getting there, but I think it's just literally flooding people's Flooding people's minds with it. And that's the first step is how do you, how do you create cool stuff on social media that, that blows people's minds? That's like, wow, hey, that was like really neat. Why? What is this? And how do we check it out? That's just one step, right? Uh, Another idea is how, you know, when you have this show, what, how do we use it? Right? Like, how do we mm-hmm. put that in front of people? How do we create a reel? How do we create a, an advertisement? How do we combine all of our forces, whether that's Penske entertainment, NBC, IndyCar in general, and, and how do we make sure that we create something, whether it's a sizzle reel, a, a trailer, whatever it is that you literally, and, and this might cost money, right? Like, I, I don't know what budgets are. I don't, I'm not obviously paying for it out of my pocket, but how do we create something that, like, we know is cool? What we see and the on-track stuff that we have is really cool. How do we put that in front of people? How do we get some exciting clips, exciting, uh, you know, driver sound bites, engine sound bites, um, crashes? Like, how do we put all that together and just deliver it to people? Is that social media wise? Maybe is that television commercials? Maybe. Is it just buying your way into people's social feeds? Maybe. I I don't know the answer because, frankly, that's that's actually not my job. But I think I've seen a lot of successful things. When I see something on the Internet that looks cool, I'm going to investigate it. So how do we make people want to investigate what we have to offer? It's as simple as that.
1: Kind of optimism. I'm going to switch beer, ge- switch beers, switch gears to competition for just a minute. You're going to the Thermal Club for this open test uh, at the start of next month. We're a month away, but we may not talk to you between now and then. This is a circuit you've not been to, you've not raced at, you won't race at. Is it still a productive endeavor for you? Does it, or is it kind of like? let's just go and get the bugs out kind of like a scrimmage. But, but how do you learn something uh, given you're not going to race at a place in the future?
3: Yeah, honestly, that's a tough one because we really do need the testing. We have, we're so limited on, on, on track days. You know, we have our first race in St. Petersburg, Florida in March and we have exactly one day of testing that we can do other than the, the two days at thermal. Um, and, and I understand the, you know, the, the, the cost, you know, the cost cap things that we try to do the, the, to help the teams, you know, be able to survive and not spend a ton of money on testing. Um, but I don't know about anyone else, but I haven't driven a car since Luna Seca. So I, I mean, it's, it's, or well, weather tech raceway, whatever it was. And, and it's hard. Physically as a driver to get to the, the level that you want to be at for, um, for the first race of the season, because St. Pete is hot. It's hard and your body, no matter how many gym days you've done, you know, we, we, we can't really take time off because you can't risk your body losing much of the, the physical capability that it has to drive these cars because they're, they're heavy. There's no power steering. It's, it's hot. Um, so, so to, if you have three days before the first race, that's very, very challenging. Um, and, and I think it is going to be tough because we don't know much about it, but I think it's going to be a nice place. Like I'm excited to get on track. I think no matter what it physically helps us, um, will there be things that help us at certain tracks? We don't know, but I guess it's our job as teams and drivers to basically just, throw the kitchen sink at it and see what does help and what does hurt and what does help us for certain tracks. Maybe we can identify certain sectors of the track. That's like, Hey, maybe that's like road America after it's repave. I don't know. Maybe it's like weather tech raceway after it's repave because I think the pavement there is somewhat fresh. Um, I raced there in a Lamborghini like seven years ago, I but I don't even think it was fully done yet. And I barely remember the place if I'm honest. Um, but it, but it's a club track, right? So it, it, it's it's for very high end individuals. So it's not going to be some place that's been run down into the ground. It's a nice facility, a nice track, and we race at a lot of nice facilities and nice tracks. However, we also race on a lot of street circuits that are bumpier than than a, a motocross track. So you know, I, I don't know what parts will help, but I'm excited just to drive in general because I think that helps all across the board. And I think all of us will have a better idea after the test what parts of the track have helped us.
0: Will you be able to be on track before that or is your, I assume, Sebring day going to be in February after that?
3: Yeah, it's looking like that 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 um, the February 2nd, 3rd thermal test is going to be the first time on track for us. And then we will follow that up with a Sebring test, I think, on February 13th or 14th. So we're kind of getting all of our days in there right in a, a short period.
0: Well, as we look ahead to this season, it's um, stability is kind of the name of the game for you and the team, which you know has been rare in your career, and frankly, is rare in most drivers' careers. Not many drivers get to to be in the same program for multiple years in a row. What are you expecting this year? Easy to say at this point, before we've even done anything for 2023. But do you think there is the opportunity to grow from where you finish the season going into next season?
3: Well, I think immediately there's, there's opportunity to grow and, and get better in the points purely because I think the last four races we had, you know, two or three DNFs and things that are better, that, are, that were, you know, happening completely out of our control and out of the team's control. And, you know, random things we need to eliminate, you know, electrical things, technical glitches at Texas. That was, you know, we know that the ovals have been a strong suit for us. Uh, we, we also just have to capitalize at the tracks that, uh, we know we're successful at. Indy GP, Indy 500, um, you know, Iowa. I, I obviously can qualify well at Iowa, but we really, really struggled in the race. So how do we extend our, our grip window in the race? How do we figure out the areas that we can capitalize on and, 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 going back to these places will help us. So, you know, some of those tracks like Iowa and and St. Louis were the first time that I had driven with ECR at these tracks. So, you know, we'll have a lot more information to go to, um, you know, we were the fastest car in qualifying at Iowa and St. Louis for the team. So hopefully we can all improve our packages there. Um, and, and, and yeah, I, I'm excited. I, I think we know as a team where we struggled both, both Renus and I, um, and, and Renus, I think is very good and we obviously know Ed is very good on the oval so how do we take our team to the next level because we all want to win we all want to be successful and we 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 did come close to several several different victories in, in several different places um so again eliminate mistakes you know i can't stall the car at the second indy gp race that was a race where again come in the pits right behind joseph Newgarden, uh and and it's really hard to get the car going because of a long first gear at indy indy gp and uh and you know that was my mistake so i have to eliminate things like that um and just take advantage of of every opportunity we have on track so let's
1: bench race here a minute looking things from uh maybe not the driver's seat that you're in and look at it from a fan standpoint what interests you about the 2023 season and the driver lineup Rossi switches Daryl McLaren Kirkwood changes seats uh you got a couple new guys in Peterson and and uh, Marcus Armstrong who I guess you just met for the first time the other day what interests you as a as a as a fan of the sport
3: yeah I think there's a lot of a lot of really cool stuff happening. Uh, you know, that, that Ganassi seat that was Jimmy Johnson, you know, there's going to be a road and street course guy and then an oval guy, maybe, you know, that there's going to be, um, you know, Foyt is a total re you know, reshuffle. Um, and from what I hear, you know, they're, they're investing a lot in their engineering department, which is, which is great. Um, and I'm very curious to see how that happens and how that goes. Uh, we essentially have three new tracks. I would consider Road America and WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca repaves as almost fully new experiences for us all because we've all driven there for years on those older surfaces. And now it's going to be completely new. So that could change things drastically. Uh, Detroit wildly new street circuit for all of us. Um, that'll be crazy, I think. Uh, and hopefully it's great, <laughs> but we know the Detroit market is a good one for us. Uh, you know, I've had my podium in Detroit, so I have a lot of, you know, emotional ties to that, that area. Um, and then obviously the Indy 500 is, is something that, uh, maybe we'll end under green this year and then we'll get those last two corners and, and see who, you know, who can pull it off. Uh, Alex Rossi and that whole McLaren team from what I see in here, you know they're they're spending a lot of money and and they're bring, they have a <laughs> lot of good people and they have that Formula One connection that no one else really does. So I, I see them being consistently the best team all throughout the year. Honestly, just because it's not possible to not be good in in that scenario where you have three really good drivers. Alex had, you know, they got some new uh, crew members as well. Uh Todd, Todd Phillips, who was my, my crew chief uh at my first year, my rookie year at Dale coin racing is now Alex's Rossi's crew chief. He is very, very good. And again, brings very good knowledge from Dale coin racing too, who has been very, very fast over the years. Um, And what does Dale coin racing do in their engineering department? Right. They lost their engineers. They lost some people there, but Dale always finds a way to make that team really, really good. So And David Malukas is really quick. Um, So there's a lot, I think, to be uh, as a fan, to be excited about. uh, And and a lot of new faces and new situations that that create some excitement that hopefully our great television show is able to deliver to people and and our obviously our NBC broadcast partner who does a great job. You know, maybe there's more and more that we can do there too.
0: Connor Daly is joining us. I want to finish up with, uh, unfortunately, A down finish, but I think you will be able to share more perspective than certainly Kurt and I can and kind of explain Ken Block's significance to our audience. Younger people are going to know who he is. Uh, Older people may not know him. They may know the name, Rally Cross legend. Uh, The Jim Conner videos were amazing to watch. Action legend. He unfortunately uh, was killed yesterday in a snowmobile accident. And I know you were a big fan.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was very, very sad to see that. Um, I mean, I remember watching the first Ken Block video that came out uh, when I was in literally high school computer class. Uh, and we were watching it as if it was like how ha- nothing has ever been produced like this before. Um, yeah. And it, it led to so many other really cool things. Uh, it led to, I think, a resurgence in rallycross racing, you know, in, in North America and then the world. I mean, you see Travis Pastrana's Nitro Rallycross series now that I think is a, a, a great series that's also partnered with NBC and Peacock. And, um, I, I had I, my, my Subaru STI was my first car when I was 16. Both me and Joseph Newgarden both had Subaru STIs and we loved, you know, that era a vehicle. I have every Ken Block t-shirt that there was, hats. Mm-hmm. I have Ken Block shoes, uh I mean so many things. And and honestly, I, I was hoping to at some point even I mean I'm 31 now, but I was hoping that you know I, I could get to spend more time with him eventually and hear more about that stuff. Um because I got to meet him several times and and, and interact, but realistically you know, I didn't get to spend as much time as like I would say I spend with Travis Pastrana now, who's also another one of my heroes, right? And he's become a really good friend of mine. And, you know, I was talking with Travis last night about this whole Ken Block thing because I know they were extreme competitors. Travis has taken over the Jim video series now. Um, and so him and Ken were very, very close. And 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 it's just sad, but in this line of work that we do and, and in this line of, of, of motor racing and, 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 and daredevilry that we all like to get involved in, whether that's on the track or even off the track, all of us do crazy stuff. I mean, all of us are trying to get that adrenaline fixed no matter where it is. Sadly, what we do is dangerous. And, 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 um, you hate to see that for Ken because such a great family. I mean, even his daughter, you know, has been driving open wheel cars randomly, all kinds of different rally cross racing and, you know that Ken's obviously extremely proud of his, you know, his family. And so, uh, I'm excited to see what, you know, what his, his kids are doing in the future and, and living for him and through him. And I'm definitely, um, you know, gonna, my first helmet now for this year, I think in the IndyCar series is going to be a Ken Block helmet. Uh, cause obviously his, a lot of his colors were green and black like mine. Um, and I, and I'm excited to kind of do something with that and, uh, and, 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 and honor him, um, because he was a hero. I mean, a complete hero of mine, just one of the coolest dudes and most talented drivers. I think that we saw doing things in in, in this era of of modern technology and um, and social media. So really, really sad, but um, you know, a, a great a great man for our sport, and uh, you know, someone that I looked up to for sure. Sad stuff. Thanks for
0: sharing some uh, some thoughts and some memories. Connor, it's always good to catch up with you. We look forward to seeing you in a race car very, very soon. So what we're looking pretty much at exactly a month at this point. In the meantime, we'll catch uh, Speed Street and find out what else is going on. Thank you.
3: Absolutely. Thank you, guys.
0: Connor Daly, the driver of the number 20 Bit Nile Chevrolet for Ed Carpenter Racing. Stay with us. Plenty more to come.
2: Trackside, 93.5, 5, 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits. Long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
0: Hi, this is Ed Carpenter and you're listening to Trackside. Still more to cover in the program tonight. We'll get to some tweets coming up at Kevin Lee 23 in the remaining moments. Uh, maybe just a chance from what we took in from Connor Daly, always good to have Connor on the program. That's why he's got his own podcast now to kind of go over some of these things. But I like listening to Connor. I like his ideas. I like his passion.
1: Well, I like it too. And I, I honestly have to admit, I like it more now than I did three or four years ago. Uh, I think it's not so much feeling like, you know, I'm trying to attract attention, it feels as you described in, in an earlier segment, you know, it feels like he has more informed opinions, uh, than I think he used to. Now, maybe that's just the way he presents it. Maybe he's just getting older and he, he feels more, and, and maybe it's the podcast has, has shown him that, you know, you just can't. It's a platform for it. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, you have to have a a level of professionalism and maturity, even in a podcast, you can't just fire things. And I think he, you know, early in his career was a little bit more, you know, kind of look at me. And I think he comes at this now with a much more of a veteran approach. And I, I really feel like he's, he's thought about the things he said. Um, and so I, I really have a great appreciation for him as a source and, and as a uh, confidant and as a, uh, just a, a person who's more plugged into to the pros and cons of decisions where maybe, you know, early in his career, he wasn't quite there yet.
0: I would think it, my recollection was he was plugged in and he did have those opinions. He didn't really have an outlet for them. And part of the approach was about a brand. And you're trying to separate and distinguish yourself from all the other race drivers and especially the other race drivers that don't have family funding to pay for it. So you're trying to be unique. And I think that was likely a good strategy of let's oh, try to be it- a little bit different. Um, but when you talk to Connor off the air, I think those same opinions were there. That's why I think this is a really good platform. If he wants to grow the mullet back and do those kind of things, he still can for the 32nd tv interviews and you know put on kind of a wwe approach to a short form interview but a podcast gives you an outlet to long form
1: share some deeper thoughts so i think that works well well i think it it does too and and let me let me just say i mean i've I've known, I've known him since he was a boy, you know, I mean, he was a young, a young kid hanging around. So, you know, I, I go back a ways as you do with, with Connor. And I just think he has, whether it's the platform or or it's just time in the sport, or maybe it's the security of having a full-time ride. I think he can come at things now as a leader within the driver community that it hasn't always been there. And, and I say that with all respect for who he is and, and what he's accomplished and the brand he's built. And, uh, but I just think he's, and, and he's not, you know, there are many, many other drivers who have kind of done this, you know, Graham comes to mind as a, as a guy who, you know, earlier in he's just matured. And I think he's, he's, um, he's going to be a real asset for the sport moving forward. And uh, I can't wait to watch his career continue to develop and and to continue to watch him develop as a man.
0: You know, back to the conversation we had about the new the IndyCar documentary after talking to a couple of the producers or showrunners, if you will, today, and uh, what little we chatted, I came over with impressed. You know, I still want to see what their specific ideas are, but uh, I think these people have pretty good credentials, and I- I'm fascinated to see how it all comes out. A couple other things we haven't touched on. Oh, go ahead.
1: Go well, ahead. I was just going to say that that what Connor said about taking if he just took 60% of what Drive to Survive has brought to the sport would would be a good thing. And I and I would say that I don't think Drive to Survive has really created new television. It's not a new style. We see it in reality shows all the time. It's it's kind of a format of getting people to talk about you know, the, the emotions and talking about, you know, other individuals, other competitors. So I don't think it's really, you know, some format that's unique to drive to survive. The point is we've just taken it a little bit less competitively and talk more about the people. And that has allowed for some emotions to come through. And I think, I think we'll see that from the IndyCar drivers because there's a lot of emotions in this sport. And, and as Connor said, if we can, If we can illustrate how difficult it is to be an Indy 500 driver and an IndyCar series driver, then it'll be a a successful program.
0: And also just try to get everyone to understand how special that event is. It's not just that it has 280,000 people, but let's get beyond that. Let's let real storytellers, super pros at this, that have the ability to edit and aren't trying to do a live show that can do their magic and try to put on screen what this event means to us, the emotional aspect of the Indy 500 from an event status and then the significance of the race. And from the driver perspective, what it means to win that race and what it does to change your, your world. After that. So uh, that's all good stuff coming up. And, you know, the great thing about this is we don't have to wait until 2024 to see it. It's going to come out. I forget when it begins. Springtime. Springtime. March, something like that, maybe after St. Pete. But it's six weeks running through a week or so after the Indy 500. The last episode is, you know, I don't know, June 5th, June 10th, something like that. It will be a an Indy 500 recap uh post synopsis and so forth so that's coming and we'll have more details on how we can see that when we get closer on from the the cw channels and uh, digital and so forth couple of other nuggets over the holidays this maybe not everyone noticed but i think it's still somewhat significant one of the top teams in sports car racing is wayne taylor racing and actually they're based here just a few miles here from my house in brownsburg and they've had a lot of indycar drivers that have participated with them In their endurance races, plus the likes of Jeff Gordon won a Rolex with them. Uh Fernando Alonso drove with them a few years ago. Alexander Rossi has been with them. Well, now they're going to be partnering with Michael Andretti starting right now, starting in the twenty twenty-three season. Son was just asking me a few weeks ago, what's Andretti doing with that big building? And I said, well, they've got a lot of teams, you know, but then the question was, well, is it all dependent on Formula One? If they don't get Formula One, what are they going to do? And I don't know. I know they're still hoping to get Formula One. Well, there's one other thing that they're going to do. Wayne Taylor Racing will move in to that new multi-million dollar shop in Fishers. Correct. Fishers, Noblesville. Fishers, yes. Which I think just broke ground within the last couple of weeks or so. So that that's really interesting news. Um, might it grow to a two car program? It's just one car. It's accurate, so that works well with the Honda connection. And then maybe there's an opportunity for more one off rides for indie car drivers that are Andretti drivers um in the future. Would Wayne have an interest in being a co entrant at all in the Indy five hundred? In the past, he's I think at times said yes, at times said no, I've got enough on my plate, but uh you never know. Now, as to the Formula One aspect, was this the... No, this was uh, maybe yesterday morning, I believe I saw. uh, Mohammed bin Suleiman, who is... I don't know what his title is, but he's kind of the, the grand poobah of the FIA. Maybe you have a better title for him, but he's the guy that can make things happen. And he tweeted... And there have since been some articles on this, just simply based on the tweet with no other comment. But I've asked my FIA team to look at launching an expressions of interest process for prospective new teams for the FIA F1 World Championship. So to read through this, my perception of this and everyone else seems to be, hey, this is good for Michael Andretti and others. The other Formula One team owners have been basically saying, no, thanks, we don't want your help. We don't want anybody else involved. This at least opens up the door to consider the process a bit more.
1: Yep, I agree. Michael had to be excited about that. And so we'll see if that uh, brings in new teams, but they're going to want, the other teams are going to want more revenue in the pot if they're going to have to split it with more people.
0: Yep. Well, there's definitely more revenue coming. So they might be able to figure out, but the the thing is they're already keeping all of that. Yeah. So what they're going to do is that uh, I, I think the listed expansion fee was something like 250 million yeah that's going to go up significantly that's going to be going up because everyone is is going to want their taste hey i wanted to shout out wayne selman uh many of you may not know wayne but he's been around for many many years uh in indycar he's worked with dreyer and Bold in recent years both of his sons Worked for Dreyer and Reinbold. One of his sons is married to Jamie Little. Another son is married to Danica Patrick's sister. Uh, Wayne has been what they call a truckie, a mechanic. He's done a lot of things. I spent a lot of time with him chatting on pit lane over the years when he was full-time working for Ed Carpenter Racing. He goes way back in the day, well, Wayne, uh, it was announced, I don't know if he announced it, but I think Jamie announced it on social media that he is officially retiring. So congratulations to Wayne. I hope we still see you at the racetrack and it's always been fun kind of hanging around with you. So salute to Wayne, who's left his own legacy with his with his sons. Uh one working pretty full time in racing, another just kind of works part-time in the month of May with the Dryer and Rhine Bowl program. But salute to Wayne. All right, we'll see what we missed and get into anything else coming up in a moment on trackside. Thank you. Final segment for the night. Uh, next week, Tuesday night again. Tuesday from seven until nine. It's good to be able to talk about racing coming up later this year. In January is going to be busy. Lots of stuff going on this month. I know sports car racing is not Indy car racing, but when you see the the entry list, IndyCar car fans are going to see an awful lot of names they know for the Rolex Twenty Four. It's going to be probably easier to say which Indy car drivers are not going. Than those that are going so that's coming up the last two weekends in January. So we'll look forward to that as well. And it's it's time for some new content because I've, I've once again kind of like during the pandemic, I finished the Internet uh, to the point where this is how behind I am. I went back uh, in the last month and I watched The Wire. You know, the HBO show that uh, debuted a little more than 20 years ago. Really, really good. I'm not sure it was as good as some people said as the, as the Sopranos, but it was good. I finally started and pretty much finished all of Yellowstone. Not as excited about Yellowstone, a little too over the top. I'll say this, though, and I know this is what you came here for TV show reviews, but the prequels on Paramount Plus 1883. Uh, that was much better and I've watched one or two of the Harrison Ford 1923s and we stumbled upon the offer this weekend which was the making of the Godfather that's also either a Showtime or a Paramount show like a 10 or 11 episode thing that was really good so there you go that's what I got because I'm out of racing stuff I think we covered it all uh, or at least what I had in the notebook. We'll get to more things next week, and I suspect we'll find out more things in the coming days. there got to be more announcements coming up because it is getting close. Thanks to Connor Daly for joining us. That was really fun. For Kurt Cavan and Josh Molnix. I'm Kevin Lee. This is 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.